You've spent all winter stuck inside imagining your next big home project. A bigger, brighter kitchen, a fabulous new fence, the possibility of a pool. There's so much you would do if only you could. The good news? With an S&T Home Equity total line of credit, you can. We've got your back with financial flexibility, and we're here to support you with exceptional customer service. So dream as big as you want, and we'll help you bring those dreams home. At S&T, it's just what we do. S&T Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Welcome to The Point After on WDVE Pittsburgh. Brought to you by Parks Casino. The entire Steelers radio broadcast team is here to break down the last game. Here's your host, Missy Matthews. Well, I think the balance between the run and pass, right? I mean, that, that's what was great for us against the Saints, and I think that was, you know, what was really good for us in that first half. Um, having that balance and not relying on one, I think both really works well together. Um, and I don't think we had both working together well in, in the second half. And, um, you know, that's, you know, our job, you know, receivers and quarterback, we have to be, be consistent in, in the run game. It needs to be consistent in order for our offense to, to work the way it needs to be and the way it should is what that looked like in the first half. So we know what it looks like. And, um, you know, we just got to execute at a higher level in the second half. Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett following the Steelers' 37-30 loss to the Cincinnati Bengals at Acrisure Stadium. Pittsburgh now sits at 3-7. and seven. I'm Missy Matthews with Bill Hillgrove and Craig Wolfley. And guys, Kenny Pickett there talking about what worked in the first half. Billy, everybody felt pretty good heading into head into halftime, uh, you know, being able to throw the ball, run the ball well, five of seven on third downs, and you take a 2017 lead in, you think good things are coming, but the second half, just a completely different story. Well, the offense fell asleep. Uh, were there four straight third downs that they missed? And then um, I'm sure there was some self-doubt as part of that. Um, and the defense came up with two big interceptions. Well, we get a total of six points. Yep. I think there's a lot of blame to throw in just about every direction. Um, and, you know, the killer was we get the ball at the Cincinnati 47. Uh, they turned it over. No, it was a punt. So we got it, right. you know, in good good position. And we got a first down. But then uh, the holding call, we're backed up. And then Henderson was disruptive. And we punt. And they picked the ball up at their seven-yard line and drive it 93 yards with a pass of over 20, a pass of over 30, and a 15-yarder to boot. So, you know, that's where the game swung. But, you know, it probably should have been better to that point, especially in the third quarter when you you fell asleep. The third quarter, I in my mind, that's where it really started to go askew. You know, the problem part of the problem is, you know, you, you come off a cold field, you go into a warm locker room, and it takes a little bit to warm up and rev up the engines there, obviously, or something. But... You know, you go out there, and I, I love the idea of the, you know, the the uh, double score. You know, you defer, you win the toss, you defer, you hold the ball hopefully last, and you kick a you kick a field goal as they did three seconds ago. Right, kicks that that uh, field goal, beautiful. Now you come out, but what happens? You go three three and outs in a row with what would have been 
Uh, and also a fourth three and out only for the fact that uh, TJ made a unbelievable play mm-hmm. and got you, uh, you know, around the 15-yard line and you were able to kick a field goal. That's the only reason, you you know, it wasn't another four straight three and outs. So it's unfortunate. You've got to make more. That that play deserved seven points, maybe even ten points. <laughs> I don't know how you work that, <laughs> you know, but uh, that was such a brilliant play by TJ, just an incredible play. Uh, and it's just a shame they were not able to capitalize on all that juice that was flowing from the upper stands. And our first segment tonight is brought to you by Brian Penn and Associates. It's all about the benefits, Billy, uh, that that drive that you were talking about um, in the third quarter there. Coach Tomlin said, you know, that defined not only the second half, but ultimately the outcome of the game. Not only was there the holding call on Pat Fryermuth, but also a legal man downfield on J.C. Hassenhauer. I mean, it was just... It was bad all around. With the naked eye, I called it a run because Kenny turned and Najee was gone. And then he, I guess, panicked a little bit and said, well, I'm going to throw this. And by that time, Hassenauer's down the field because he thinks it's a run point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it- and by the way, can I say this? J.C. Hassenauer did a fine job in relief of Mason Cole. I got to tell you, the kid can play. J.C. can play. Just want to throw that in. All right, let, but let me, and we talked about this before we went on the air, but we might as well throw it out right now. You got a rookie quarterback. You got a second-year running back. You got a second-year starting tight end. Uh, you got an offensive line that's pretty new. Uh, I know there are growing pains, and I know they're painful, but I think that's what we're looking at. Yeah, but I think we've been saying that all season, that there were going to be growing pains, but I think there were some steps forward following the bye week because of the Saints game, and then – it was one of those games, again, you felt like it multiple times, like in Miami, where you could have won the game. Oh, really? Um, and I think that's the frustrating part where, you know, it looks like when you walk in the locker room, like everyone just wants to bang their head against a wall. Um, because if And probably we, are, too. Right. Like, <laughs> if one thing goes their way, you know, does that turn the momentum? Um, you know, you could play the coulda, shoulda, what a game all day. But, you know, there was definitely the momentum going into halftime. What they were able to do to, you know, contain Joe Burrow and not let their offense get flying. But the second half, especially for the Steelers defense, you had all of your guys out there for the first time since week one. And they were just not able to stop. They didn't have Jamar Chase. They didn't have Joe Mixon. Right. um, But they let a backup running back and also a wide receiver who was just elevated from the practice squad, you know, kind of take them to town. Well, the guy that really nailed it, though, was T. Higgins. T. Higgins was a pain in the butt. Yeah. You know, I mean, the guy's terrific wide receiver. He's 6'4", two and a quarter. You know, he's a tight end-ish type of uh, dimensions there. Uh, and fleet of foot, can high point. The, I watched all week long. I kept telling Max we were talking about it back and forth. I'm going, that back shoulder throw looks like, like unstoppable, basically, you know, to T. Higgins. The other thing that really bothered me was Joe Mixon on those swing passes to the flat. That ended up being Samaji uh, P. Ryan. Mm-hmm. took over, and he scored three touchdowns. Well, uh, one was a screen. You know, it was a screen pass, and it was uh, – by the way, I got to say this because I get a little abbreviated. J.C. Hassanari, they called him for de- being down the field. You know, he was about maybe at most two yards down the field when, when that happened. You go to Samaji P. Ryan's uh, screen pass, Cordell Volson, all six foot six, 320 pounds of a big chooch, runs out there. He's almost five yards downfield. And they don't call him when Samaji P. Ryan catches the ball. He's clearly way past the, the line of scrimmage. I'm sitting there going, 
How do you see JC, who's a little, not you know he's not that big a guy mm-hmm. as compared to a six six guy wearing a Stay Puft Marshmallow outfit like you know the Bengals were wearing you know the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man <laughs> yes. from Ghostbusters that's what it looked like Max and I Max and I decide that's what those unis look like with the advent of the RPO which is now you know sweeping through pro football as well as it has through the college game um, I'm sure that's been a point of emphasis for the officials this year to be careful about people downfield. I don't know that that impacts the game that much. You know, I mean, if a guy's five or four or six yards, it can depend if he gets somebody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you know, I, I, I just think it's called unevenly. And I think that happens a lot when uh, the league office says we got to emphasize this, right? And it takes the officials time to adjust. Well, watch out because if we get it like the the pass interferences, there'll be flags everywhere. They emphasize they're getting down the field; <laughs> they'll find somebody. I think also, you know, especially for the Steelers' offense, Billy, as you said, growing pains. I, I don't think that we can, you know, beat around the bush with calling it that, but not turning the ball over for the second game in a row and to not have, you know, a positive outcome where you could build off of what they were able to do against the Saints. What do you think really tripped them up, Wolf, uh, especially in the second half? I'm sorry, the Saints? The offense. Oh, the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that, you know, you uh, when you look back at it, you're not getting the wins on the first and second downs like you were doing in the first half. You had some good rushing attack early on. You had uh, Kenny, you know, Kenny had to, again, throwing the ball a little bit more than my liking right now. I think, what, it was 42, 44 times? There was two sacks, I think. I can't remember. He threw the ball a lot, you know, and I I, I, I got the numbers right in front of me, but I don't – oh, yeah, there's my glasses. <laughs> right there. Yeah, right there. <laughs> At least they weren't on your head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly so. But, you know, you've got the fact that Kenny – yeah, Kenny threw 42 mm-hmm. and he was sacked twice, so it's 44. Um, but the sacks weren't bad. No. Total of 16 yards. Yeah. But they are sacks. And but they, they are sacks. Yeah. And I, what I'm saying is there's 44 dropbacks. That's a lot. That's a lot, you know, and for a young guy, that's just, I don't know. I would like to see if they can somehow, well, there's there's a couple things. Number one is screens. I, For the life of me, we've got to be able to run screens. You know, they had the one to Fryermuth that got blown up, and uh, we've seen in the first game, uh, the first Cincy game, uh, they had 6-12 run a screen, a delayed screen, and he, he was great at it. Ran up, bumbling, stumbling, rumbling up the sidelines, did a great job. I 30-some yards, I believe it was. Um, but we've got, we've got to get some running back screens. I just screen passes are a big part of the game, or should be a big part of your offense. Lost in the morass of the loss is the fact that we ran the ball really well for the we second did. week in a row. Yeah, Najee twenty carry twenty attempts, ninety yards, averaged four point five. Yeah, it, and it was I, again. You you look at some of the runs, man. He talked about finishing off a run when he ran that outside zone to the left. And then uh, went high hurdle over a guy at the end zone. Was it Jesse Bates or somebody? I mean, that, that's unbelievable. You know, I mean, that, that ground was, Max said it was as hard as concrete, you know. And he says, you know, you, 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 high, you high jumped. He was, going, what, good four or five feet up in the air, you know, was, was Najee. And he landed pretty hard there. And, it, uh, you know, that'll jar your teeth a little bit, which I can't afford to lose a tooth again. <laughs> your smile's getting better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I can't wait till the end of the year when you get the old dental implant. Right up the t- right there. And by the way, you stumped me yesterday on Pembroke State's nickname. I did. Because Brad Allen, the referee, is from Pembroke. Mm-hmm. It's University of Carolina at Pembroke. It's the Braves. I, I had to go look it up. So. 
you know what? It's it, whenever you can stump Billy, that's like a big say, moment. And you did it on his birthday. Well, yeah, I know. Way to birthday. go, Wolf. Yeah, uh, hey. <laughs> Mr. Grinch. <laughs> There's no such thing as a, a free skate in this movie. <laughs> Looking at um, the receiving core, you know, we saw mo- more of Pat Fryermuth and George Pickens as we did last week without Chase Claypool since he was. Uh, traded to the Bears. Uh, Deontay Johnson, that's the one, you know, he hasn't had a touchdown yet. He hasn't caught a touchdown yet. Hasn't had a 100-yard receiving game. Where do you see the disconnect? Is it between him and Kenny? Is it game planning? Is it just what other teams are doing to take him out? I think there was a lot of double team yesterday, wasn't there? There was There was some. Um, Kenny missed a few. You know what I mean? Um, I, I'm not sure Deontay... <clears throat> It's difficult to say because the the targets are starting to go to Fryermuth. He's getting down the middle, and you got 12. Pickens to the outside. Yes, yep. and they're running more go routes with uh, with Pickens, and it's hard to overlook the talent that kid's got. Mm-hmm. You saw that thirty three yarder. He had one safety high, let it fly, boom, down there. It's a perfect throw, absolutely perfect, and a perfect catch. Pickens doesn't reach for the ball until the last second. He makes this great catch down low. And it was just unbelievable that 24-yarder Kenny standing in the pocket, and you got, I believe it was Hubbard or somebody coming off the edge, either him or Hendrickson, and Kenny's going to take it right in the choppers. He's going to take it right in the grill. But he waited, waited until Pickens cleared to the outside flag, threw the ball, touchdown, and he took the hit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's that's just great quarterbacking. You, you just you hang in there, and you know you're going to get clocked, but you know that, okay, i got to do this so I can deliver the ball at the right time. And he did it. Uh the, the disconnect with Deontay, I'm not really understanding. Uh, there was a couple like that one uh, in the third quarter. You got the crossing routes. You got Fryermuth over the. I'm sorry, underneath. You got Deontay over the top, or either one. I can't remember which it was. But they're running the crossing route, and it ends up being thrown in the dirt. You know, remember, and it's just I, I don't know. There's it's not clicking. Do you think because of the turnovers um, that Kenny had in the first half once he took over? prior to the bye week and, you know, the commitment to not turn the ball over, that maybe that's why you're seeing him throw it away a little bit more? Oh, there's no question. I think he's got appropriate throwing away times. You know, I mean, you run with the ball and you see, oh, I'm going to be short of the line of scrimmage. I just toss it out of bounds. That's a heads-up play. Mm-hmm. But he did it at one point, and it seemed to hurt, because he probably could have cut the third and long down to fourth. That's and very true. Makeable, and then But can I say this? This is all part of the education of a young quarterback. You know, and this is what you learn, and this is what we're going through. You make those observations in the aftermath because right at the moment, it might have seemed like the good idea was to, you know, mm-hmm. drop the ball. But that's how you learn. Nobody gets to be good without facing adversity. No one gets to the top without having a lot of uh, trying time, shall we say, because it, it's got to test you. And it's got to sift out the things that are unnecessary until you come to the necessary. And that's the process Kenny's going through. And there's a lot of things that he thought he knew uh, when he was in Pitt that he now knows that now. <laughs> don't worry about it. A lot of things he thought he knew when he was in training camp. And now he's growing through those things, and it's a process. But I do believe this kid is going to be really good someday, no doubt. Maybe looking a little bit on the bright side, but this was the first time the Steelers scored 30 points since they did so uh, against the L.A. Chargers actually one year ago today. They scored 37 there. I know that last touchdown we could, you know, call it in quote-unquote garbage time, but Billy, I think, you know, the positive of how many points they were able to put up in the first half, uh, sometimes that wasn't even the total for a whole game prior to this. That that was encouraging, and uh, I think, you know, they just have to learn that it, it is a 60-minute game, and, you know, 
you have to finish. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's part of the steps that they have to take. All right, we're going to take a break here on The Point After. When we return, we'll talk about T.J. Watt and the Steelers' defense, their performance yesterday. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to WDVE. You've spent all winter stuck inside imagining your next big home project. A bigger, brighter kitchen, a fabulous new fence, the possibility of a pool. There's so much you would do if only you could. The good news? With an ST Home Equity total line of credit, you can. We've got your back with financial flexibility, and we're here to support you with exceptional customer service. So dream as big as you want, and we'll help you bring those dreams home. At ST, it's just what we do. ST Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Back to the point after, brought to you by Parks Casino on DVE. I mean, we got a game next week. It's. This business is crazy. You have to you have to learn from each experience, whether it's good or whether it's bad, and you have to move forward. And we're not where we want to be clearly right now, but uh, sitting here and sulking about it isn't going to do anything. So we have to be real with what we put on tape. We can't take everything personally. We have to digest the film and we have to practice hard, and then come out next week with a better performance. A very serious but well-thought-out comment uh, from T.J. Watt following the Steelers' loss to the Bengals yesterday at Acrisure Stadium. Our second segment tonight on The Point After is brought to you by the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank and Don's Appliance. For every field goal we kick this season, Don's Appliance will donate $1,000 to the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. That's 5,000 meals each time. Thank you to Don's Appliance. And you can also donate to by texting GOALS to 50155. And, Wolf, I know you went back a few times and probably watched that T.J. Watt interception. Uh, I know Joe Burrow said uh, post-game, you know, I understand what happened. There's nothing I can do. (laughs) Literally. I mean, he took a shove from Lael Collins, the, the right tackle, and he's falling away. And that ball, actually, if you watch it in slow motion, it it like ricochets from one hand to another. I mean, it was like boom, 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 and he caught it. And I don't know how reflexively you do something like that. You know, the best I can come up with was one time we were, uh, Tunch and I were, were whitewater rafting, and we ended up in this uh, up on the Cheat River, and we this slammed into this hydrocular. This this thing, and he flew out of the raft, and just as he's going out, he grabs the the the, <laughs> the cord. You know, as out of the raft, saved him from probably, you know, a really bad injury, you know. But it, it, that's the same reflexive thing. Boom. It, you know, it was right there. And I remember Chalucha's face. It was really funny because I had to pull him in. <laughs> but regardless, you know, TJ just made a great interception. And in it's such a reactive play. You, you couldn't you could not choreograph that thing. He, uh, I think it was Levi Wallace was saying, you know, the first practice I came to, I watched him do something like that in practice. He's just always practicing, getting his hands up, uh, just disrupting things. And obviously he's very, very good at carrying it over onto the football field. You know, I think he really adheres to what Chuck Knoll always used to talk about because Chuck would come through the locker room and say, who's, who's going to make the big play? Who's going to, you know, and he'd point guys out, you know, Mel Blunt, Jack Ham. I mean, you know, and he always talked about you have to see it in your mind, and you've got. I'll bet you TJ does a lot of that. You know, and I think cybernetics. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, you got to get in the theater of your mind. I was so good at it, man. I could get popcorn <laughs> <laughs> and Palmer pies. Yes, there you go. And I was fully full <laughs> when I went to the movies in my head. <laughs> 
Uh, Billy, a fellow defensive captain of TJ's, Cam Hayward, said mind-boggling was what came to his mind talking about a running back three times, catching a pass, scoring a touchdown. What do you think the defense lost after they were so stingy and so dominant against the Saints just a week ago? I don't I don't know. I, I, it's hard to put your finger on it. And, you know, I, let me uh, resort to statistical evidence. Okay. We like uh, that. Good job on third downs. Right. But on that 93-yard drive, the Bengals never got to third down. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. You get my point? Yeah. Yeah, and and so if you're not good at third downs, why bother exactly. going to third down? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, 92 yard drive, 93 yard drive, and you know Alex Highsmith was talking a lot about that also in the locker room. Excuse me, and just how mesmerizing but demoralizing that is when you just for that long of a period of time cannot get off the field. It's it's crushing because you know the defensive mindset is always get off the field. Offensive mindset is. Con- possess the ball you know and there are two you got absolutely different ends of the spectrum type mindset and I that's what I love the thing about offensively what we lacked a little bit from last week was time of possession you know you think about Mm -hmm. it last week we had almost 40 minutes but only 20 points because you want to go a point per minute of possession this week you know we were at uh, 28 and some change we got 30 points out of it you know, so you're 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 doing some good stuff there, but remember, the best defense is a good offense, and keeping Joe Burrow on the sidelines is his keister on the bench is the best way you can you you can defend him, and so that's one of the things I thought we lacked, especially in the second half when we went those three three and outs and one four and out, but it was a field goal off that great TJ interception. That's what I'm talking about: being able to control the pace, coming out in that second half and doing that. You're, you're giving momentum and juice to the opposition, and that puts your defense uh, out there and makes them vulnerable, I mean, especially when you got somebody who's as much a ball control guy as Joe Burrow. Yeah, and Burrow was 24 of 39, 355 yards. There were the two sacks, four touchdowns, two interceptions. And, Billy, he really does have that Joe coolness about him. You didn't have Jamar Chase. You knew that going in, but then you lose Joe Mixon early, and he was still able to get other people involved, even Tyler Boyd in the second half. But right. he still he still kept the offense going. And the bothersome thing is to look at a guy like Trent Irwin, who had just come up from the practice squad, right, end up – what, 14 yards per reception. Uh, it shouldn't happen, but it did, and we watched it, and it was frustrating. Although I will give the fans credit. They were there. Oh, yeah. And they were, you know, even though they had gone up by 11 points in the fourth quarter after that 93-yard drive, um, you know, they were still into it. Uh, but, you know, the fans can only do so much, and you can only transfer so much of that energy from the stands onto the field. And uh, – I don't know. I, I thought our defense got a little tired there. Well, that's what happens when you go three and outs. You know, you put your defense at risk. And one of the things that we did, and in the first game, the, the defense was at risk all day. What They ran 92 plays yeah. in the very first game. I was going to say it was very right. deja vu. But, you know, they got big plays out of TJ and the rest of the guys, seven sacks, five turnovers or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, four interceptions and a fumble. Um, 
we 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 weren't getting that. Now mm-hmm. we got two interceptions, which you know Joe promised he wasn't going to throw four, and he was right. You <laughs> he know? did promise that. And Max always <laughs> said, Max said, okay, I won't be greedy. I'll settle for two. Well, we should have probably asked for four. <laughs> if you go <laughs> to the three. racetrack yeah. with Joe Burrow, don't ask him for tips because he bets chalk. <laughs> I'm not going to throw four interceptions. Come well, on, Joe. <laughs> go out on a limb a little bit. Exactly so. But what we weren't able to do was to get the consistent pressure that we had in the first game with four guys. So now you start bringing the fifth guy, the sixth guy. Well, that means you got one less or two less guys in the back end. So that puts you at more vulnerability. Then you end up having to go man coverage. And then all of a sudden now you're still not getting home with the the five guys at times. And a guy like Burrow is going to stand back there and pick you apart. Isn't he the third quickest quarterback? Uh, according yes, to you're, you're exactly pro correct. Football focus or two point five and yeah. some change, you know. But I mean, he is uh, third quickest in getting that ball out. Um, you know, very Roethlisberger like. What did you see from the Bengals' offensive line? I know they've been a hot topic in Cincinnati. Of you know, they invested, they wanted them to do well. They've kind of been up and down, but especially their tackles going against T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith yesterday. Well, the surprising thing to me was that in the first game that they were as bad as they were, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that only Cordell Volson, the rookie, mm-hmm. got any pregame snap or preseason snaps. The rest of the guys didn't, didn't play. So yeah. the first game out. They got this marauding bunch of uh, Steelers coming from Pittsburgh, and they just ran roughshod over them. I would have hated to gone in. I've had one experience where I went into a preseason game having not had a lick of hitting just because of a situation when I, I pulled a hammy or something like that. But anyhow, I ended up going to the game and playing. And, you know, it's, it's a very weird feeling, you know, because you're not used to your pads. You're not used to the thumps and the bumps and everything else. And all of a sudden, here you go, and you just hope that – you know, the muscle memory takes over and kicks in, and you're able to do the things that you're supposed to do. But these guys, they have gotten somewhat better. Look, they gave up 13 sacks in the first two weeks, 32 overall. They're averaging still about 2.7 sacks a game they're giving up. So it's not like they're they're a great line, but they're, they're getting better. And it, I think we had such high expectations because of the results of the first game. Mm-hmm. You know, at least I did. Right. You know, I thought, ah, we, we can, you know, kill these guys. And then uh, – they did get a little better. Billy, in terms of the Steelers' run defense, uh, Michael Birch from the Steelers' PR department had tweeted just a little bit ago, Pittsburgh allowed 91 combined rushing yards, 2.3 per carry in the last two games. That's the fewest in consecutive games since 2010, um, where they actually did it against Cincy and Baltimore. But it does feel like that was an issue earlier in the season, and it's something they have cleaned up. It's just stuff on the back end, unfortunately. And I think, you know, you're not going to face Joe Burrow this week. Yeah. And I think if you can continue that stingy ground uh, defense, I think you can, you know. You better. Make make the quarterback beat you. Yeah. You know, they got the the Taylor kid out there in Indy. I know. And they got some – this is going to be a great matchup because you're going to see – some offensive line play and defensive line play that it's something's got to give because it's 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 kind of a battle. Quentin Nelson is the guard for the Colts, and I'm telling you, the last time Cam faced him, he used him his backside as a weapon. <laughs> he drove, <laughs> he drove all 340 pounds of Quentin Nelson into Jacoby Brissett, who uh, promptly uh, hurt his knee and had to sit out. If you remember that one. And a word about Cam. He made a couple of really big plays yesterday, and they were timely. Mm-hmm. You know, when you need that big play, the captain's there and ready to serve. You right you are, bud. 
in the weighty situations or the weighty downs is that's a new Coach Tomlin buzzword this year. It is, but, you know, there's truth to it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The the fact that Mike can capture in a word what, you know, so many – I I could spend like 300 words trying to capture what he says in a word, you know. But But you understand what he means. Yeah, it does. It's self-explanatory, and you're like, got it. And as you said, Billy, it always seems like it's – the time for Cam to step up to the occasion and do what needs to be done. He had a sack, you know, at a, at appropriate time. I remember he split a double team. Another time he just drilled uh, Joe Burrow uh, during while he was passing the ball. I mean, the guy's a great player. And as I've often said, and the highest compliment you could ever pay him, I think, in my mind, is that he's the closest thing we'll ever see to Joe Green. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's – he. Yeah. Ain't, he I ain't saying he, he ain't Joe Green. And he would – he'd get mad at me if I said that anyhow. Both Joe and him. <laughs> you don't want the two of them matters. No. Not I, at the I same need, time. I don't need that. I don't need that at all. Do you, I, you know, I will say in terms of Cam and TJ, Billy, it just, you know, those are guys that are so invested in this team. And I'm not saying everybody else isn't, but they're the leaders. No matter what position you play, you look up to them as guys in the locker room that you want to emulate. And it just feels like this is – Maybe they've had a reset a few too many times this season, but let them kind of, you know, do what they need to do as captains and get this group to to regroup again um, because there's still games left. And, of course, as we said, there's growing pains, and you don't want to be shooting for the moon at this point because you're three and seven, so you have to be realistic. But if there's anybody that can help maybe the mindset and the preparation and putting in the good work – it's a Monday night game in Indy. You have extra time. I just feel like those two guys could really lead the way. Yes, and uh, we've seen so many examples of their leadership, uh, both vocally and also you know, by their play. Um, and I remember the example of leadership that I loved uh, was when that issue occurred in the locker room after the disappointing loss to Buffalo. And Arthur Marlette uh, started mm-hmm. to say a few things. And then all of a sudden, Minka looked at him. Because everybody's gathered around Minka, and Mallette's right next door, and, you know, the reporters are hearing this. And Minka looked at him and said, take it easy. That's what it's about. And at about. that point, you saw Cam get up and come over yeah. and have a little uh, turkey talk. And I, that's leadership. I was in that scrum, and when Cam stood up, his locker was acro- right across from where Minka and Arthur Mallette was. And when he stood up, I even was like, I stood up straighter. And, you know, you were just like, all right. <laughs> you came to I'm, attention. I'm going to be on my best behavior right now. The colonel's in the room. Yeah, yeah. it just, he he has that presence and that effect. And, you know, it just. Joe Green used to have the same thing. And I've told the story before, pulling my pads off in the post game Monday night, 45-34 <laughs> lose on Monday night football with the GIF and Howard Cosell and everybody. And Joe Green hated the, the Raiders. He hated losing, and he hated losing stupidly to the Raiders most of all. Okay, <laughs> and and I remember him throwing his helmet, slamming and yelling, and everybody froze. But the problem was, I had my shoulder pads over my head, and I couldn't see. It was like looking out the hole, you know. <laughs> and I'm caught, and Tunch was not helping me because <laughs> he was staring at Joe as best I could tell because I was bent over looking out the top. <laughs> <laughs> so when ta- when guys like Joe and Cam talk. People listen. You freeze. Yeah. And you stand Where was up. it, Chicago, where he got three points for throwing a helmet? He bounced the helmet up through the goalpost. He was <laughs> Joe so, did? So, oh, so frustrated. And he threw it, and it went right up between the goalposts. I remember when he kicked the ball into the stands in Philly. Mm. Then he did that in practice one time, too, as a coach. <laughs> well, he went up and sat in the stands at Three Rivers. <laughs> 
and nobody even bothered him. <laughs> Don't mess with Mr. Green. <laughs> yes, you you know that for sure. He was awesome. All right, we're going to take one more break here on The Point After. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on DVE. Back to The Point After, brought to you by Parks Casino on DVE. That one back. It's the left hand goes to the 15-10. Najee Harris leaps a man, gets to the pylon, and that is a Pittsburgh Steelers touchdown. Najee Harris, a 19-yard run, his second rushing touchdown of the year, and the Steelers are a point after away from tying. Akershire Stadium was rocking and rolling yesterday, especially in the first half, but the Steelers falling to the Bengals 37-30. to Welcome back to the point after. Our third and final segment is brought to you by Clearview Federal Credit Union. For every turnover the black and gold create in 2022, Clearview Federal Credit Union will donate $500 to the Light of Life Rescue Mission. Clearview, helping people to enjoy a better life Visit clearviewfcu.org slash touchdown. And Billy, uh, that Najee Harris hurdle, there's a little <laughs> too much alliteration for me there. Um, sometimes you do and you're like, oh, Najee, you don't do it. But that one, he did it and it, it needed it. The little football I played. The coach always said the ground is your friend if you have the ball. Um, but sometimes you have to defy gravity, and he sure did there. Um, I saw a game later in the day, and I can't remember which one it was. A tight end did it. Wasn't Kelsey? It was another tight end. Mm. Uh, did the uh, you know? Uh, he flies through the air with the greatest of ease. Uh, but sometimes you have to do that. And um, I used to be under the impression that hurdling was against the rules. Well, interestingly enough, I remember playing Miami one time down in Miami. We were in a low red zone goal line situation. We were on about the one yard line, and I had to get to John Offerdahl, the linebacker. There's two gargantuan biggins, big shaggies. That were in inside gap and outside gap. So I got the brilliant idea that I could jump <laughs> over the top oh, and no. get to Offerdale. <laughs> well, it didn't end well for the kid, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Najee was much more successful you, than I was. You, you didn't get airspeed and elevation. Oh, uh, no, got none of those. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one of the things that Najee said after the game, and I think a lot of players echoed this in some form or fashion, is just you know not being able to stack the win, something we haven't seen them do yet. It's the consistency, it, whether it's on a drive, in a game, week to week. Um, how do you how do you start to build that and get the consistency going? Is it organic, or is there something they can do to try to help that? It's practice, and that's what it is. It is practice, and you sharpen the sword each and every time you take the practice field. You build the consistency habits. One of the things that Mike Tomlin used to have on the, out by the practice field there, I used to love it because it would say, had a little sign as you come from the locker room out on the field behind there on the south side, and it said, take the field. Mm-hmm. Now, in that, just a simple word, uh, a few words, take the field, uh, is, is really what it's all about. You don't walk on the field. You don't, uh, you know, just kind of, drag yourself out into the field, you take the field with a mentality and a mindset and a purpose. And it starts the moment you walk out there. You realize you're out there for a purpose, and you are now fixated in and locked in, and you got to be locked and loaded. And that's the habitual practice of uh, being ready every time you go out there that builds towards the weekend. And you do that each and every day, week by week, month by month. And that's how a team gets that consistency. And I think it leads to trust. Oh, absolutely. And and I think that's what you have to have. You got to trust first of all the game plan and then you got to trust your teammates to help you execute the game plan. 
There's no. Can no I throw question. a question out? Yeah, please. Yeah. If you're Matt Canada, and you look at the stats and say that, wait a minute, Deontay Johnson had five targets, four catches, 21 yards, average of 5.3, a long of eight, still no touchdowns. Do you work to force feed him? I think that you have to examine, and what the part of that is it done in the scouting during the bye week. You know what they do? They compile all these statistics and they self-scout. And they come out and go, oh, we're showing too much of this personnel, too much of that personnel. Uh, when we run in this formation, you got two sets of twins side by side. We will always run this. And they will give you a whole breakdown of it. And so that I'm sure that he has taken that into account. One of the things you want to get doing, get going with Deontay, going into that game, he had 47 catches. He was only averaging 9.2 yards a catch for 435. Um, that's not what you pay your top receiver. To do, you know what I mean, and so they've got to get him in situations where he's catching the go ball, like he did last week against the Saints when he had the 36 yarder, which, by the way, was another great throw by Kenny. Kenny's making some great throws that a lot of people don't seem to take into account that he's uh, getting better at, at, at throwing the ball down the field, and you know, against the Saints, he was four or five for 54 yards, not not a whole lot, but between the numbers. You know, he's making progress, and I keep looking at making progress. I know some people say, I, well, I, I hear from a lot of them, some, some of my good friends, you know, that, uh, you know, you're being too Pollyannish. But you know what? This is the way it is. That's how you get better. You get better through better performances and facing adversity, coming out of that adversity and getting better yet again. That's what it takes to get to the top. You were talking about, uh, not to backtrack, but just practice and the mentality and a lot of players have said that, you know, especially following the bye week, they've changed some things in terms of how they do things after they've reexamined. But the one thing that I always love, and somebody actually wrote a story on it this week, uh, and it made me think of it on Fridays. I remember it starting back with Will Gay and those guys, but the defensive guys always wear a collared shirt under yeah. their jerseys. Um, and now apparently it is like everybody's doing it. Even DeMarvin Leal said he was doing it when he wasn't even practicing because it was just something that whether it was Cam or TJ said, go find the equipment, guys, get yourself a nice, you know, polo sh collared shirt, shirt and yep. you put it under your jersey and that's that's to say it's our last work day we're putting in all of our effort we're getting ready for game day that's exactly it you know at three rivers we used to have uh iron mike he was an old guy that worked in a steel mill and he'd bring fish sandwiches every friday which <laughs> you know the fat guys were all like woo you know <laughs> Yahoo. but you know it was part of the routine mm -hmm. you know and you get <laughs> You know, we are we are beasts of burden, uh, ballplayers. I mean, you, you get into a routine. Routine is everything. You have your four-day out, three-day out, two-day out, one-day out routine where you, pre you prepare for what you got to go through on the weekend. And part of that is just the acknowledgement, okay, this is the final work day. Understand how important this Friday is. This Friday is going to be a big day because we're covering blah, 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 all these specific things. You better have it down. I remember on a Friday – at Super Bowl 40 in Detroit, walking in, we were watching film, Tunch and I watching film. Keith Butler was there, the defensive coordinator, and he's flipping out. He's going, I can't believe it. I went, go, Butsy, what's the matter? We're, we're, you know, 48 hours from kickoff, you know, in, in the Super Bowl. And he goes, I can't believe it. I'm just, what, 48 hours out, and, and, and Potsy missed three checks today. <laughs> you know, and I mean, but that's big. You know, and you've got to have that down. And Potsy didn't miss many checks at all in his career. He's a, he was a great player, but 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 uh, Butsy was was flipping out about it. You know, and and rightly so. You've got to have it nailed down. Friday's a big day because you mm -hmm. want to be buttoned up and dot all the i's, cross the t's.
I hadn't seen Potsy for a long time. And a couple of years ago, we played the Chargers in that weird soccer field. Oh, yeah. yes. And it was like a home game for the Steelers. Yes. Yeah. And uh, before that game, the night before, uh, we were actually the afternoon before, we'd gone out early. Uh, we're watching the Pitt UCF game where Pitt used that uh, Pitt special to beat them. You remember I, that? I don't know if I well, remember that now. It was Kenny Pickett who caught the touchdown. Really? Oh, oh, yeah, oh yeah. yes, yes. So yes. anyhow, Potsy was sitting next to me watching this on television, <laughs> and I, I enjoyed it. He was a delightful guy and a heck of a player. Yeah, he was a great player. Uh, quick story before we have to wrap here. Uh, PZ, Joey Porter, and Clark Hagans were there yesterday. They came down on the sidelines. They took part in the who ride, we ride that the linebackers do. Oh, uh, that's cool. Love it. Yep. Uh, they, they know a thing or two about that. They do. I love both those guys. They're All right. Guys. We want to tell you about the Steelers Pro Shop, where you can gear up with the latest sideline apparel, hats, or jerseys of your favorite players, authentic memorabilia, custom items, and exclusives you can only find directly from the team at one of the official Steelers Pro Shops located at Acrisure Stadium, Pro City Premium Outlets, Tanger Outlets, or visit us online at shop.steelers.com. Guys, it's been fun. Hopefully, we have a victory Tuesday to talk about next week. The Steelers are heading to to Indy to face the Colts Monday Night Football for Bill Hillgrove and Craig Woofley. I'm Missy Matthews. Thanks for joining us and listening to The Point After. Man, my holiday bills are almost as hard to get rid of as my in-laws. I guess my budget will be my New Year's resolution again. Hi there. Friendly S&T Banker here. The aftermath of the holidays can be tough. Have you thought about using the equity in your home to consolidate your debt? I can do that? Yep. Home equities are one of the lowest cost financing options. At ST Bank, we can help you so you can have a financial fresh start. Stop by a branch or visit stbank.com to learn more. ST Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.